Looking Deep is a podcast that seeks to understand varied and unique perspectives about life for our audience and our planet. We operate under the ethos of no judgment, only leaving space for understanding in the hopes that in learning about the lives of others, we uncover a deeper truth for ourselves. Looking Deep is hosted by Kareem Watermore and is followed by an after show featuring Julia Chatwin. Thank you for joining us and let the show begin. Because of quarantine, I thought that I would wanted to talk to people that have really touched me over the years, about six people, <laughs> and you are one of them. Um, Thank you so much. For those who don't know Thank Jamie, Jamie is a very accomplished actress. I, you know her. She, I had the fortunate, the fortune of having directed Jamie in, in my third feature that I made a couple of years ago called Cargo. And Jamie worked about maybe a week or 10 days on the film. And, you know, so we got to connect in between takes, but we really, I really, really wanted more of Jamie. <laughs> and so I'm so glad. Oh, thank you. The opportunity to talk to her for like 30 minutes and talk to her about her life and her philosophy um, about things because, you know, she just had such a leveled way of looking at the world that I found incredibly refreshing. So I'm happy to talk to you today, Jamie. Thank you, Kareem. For me too, that was just a great experience. And I talked to people about how beautifully directed I was by you. I just, I felt from the first time that we met and you said, tell me what you need from me. And I was able to tell you exactly what it was. And the way that we worked, you'll remember, was that I said, I want you to let me know every moment you think you might use me on camera. Mm -hmm. When you might cut to me or anything in any scene. And I want us to sit here and I'm going to try to play those moments for you. Knowing that once you get on set, everything happens and you have to be spontaneous in the moment. And it has to do with your connection with the other actor. But I just want to give you an idea of where I could be coming from so that there won't be any surprises because we had not a lot of time to do a lot of work, really. And so we were able to sit there and over the course of maybe a couple, maybe not more than two hours, we really refined who that character had been for you as a writer, who that character was for me so that I could bring my own emotional history and my own vision for who Violet was to you. And we could actually collaborate so comfortably and so easily without the pressures of we've got to get this in the next half hour or we won't have it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then it was as though as collaborators, we were completely tuned before we ever got to set. And it was a joy. It really was. It really was. And the character was a woman, a mother that had some stages of dementia in and out of stages of dementia. So it was, it was kind of a heavy, a heavy character. And talking about history, let's talk a little bit about your history. Yes. What set you on this path of becoming an actor? What was, how did that all begin? Well, I knew it. I went to see when I was 10 years old. I was living in New Jersey and my family took me to see for my 10th birthday to see The Music Man on Broadway. And I saw the show and by the intermission, I felt like I had played the first act. I had the same feeling as if I had been in it. 
And I related to Robert Preston, who played the music man, not really to the woman leads or even the children in the show, although I saw children in it and thought, what are they doing up there? And I'm back here in this seat. But I saw it. And then my dad said, I can get you the cast album. And I memorized, I don't know if you know that show, The Music Man. I've heard of but it. But a pool table, a pool table, don't you understand? <laughs> Friends, either you are closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge, or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friends. Right here, I had trouble right here in the city. And I learned this at 10, and I just wanted to be that. I wanted to do that. And I went back to my school. I was in grade school, and I said, I'd like to take over the assembly all for, and they said, for what? I said, I'm going to write a musical. <laughs> and I wrote something, and I directed it, and I used all the kids in the school, and I played a part in it. And when it was over, People applauded me and they loved me in it. Oh. And I just knew that was who I was, what I did. And by the time I was 14, my parents made me go to school, which I thought was very unfair. But by the time I was 14, I was a union card carrying actress. Um, yeah. But that's great about, so you've always had a passion for performing versus a yes. passion for the, for the stage and that somehow translated into screen. Uh, when did that shift for the screen happen for you? Well, you know, in fact, I had great opportunities to be in the movies more when I was young. But I, for me, it's so much about relationship. As we were talking about our relationship, it's, I think the reason that I love it all so much is that I'm a real collaborator. I'm not like a star person. I'm not a person who wants to be it. I want to communicate. I want to play with people. I want, I think that what happens when people come together is much more exciting than what happens when you just kind of try to do anything by yourself. Yeah. And part of that for me was the audience. When I was young, the audience was part of it. People would say, I did a show on Broadway um, for over a year, one that was over a year, eight times a week. And people would say, how can you keep doing this same thing don't you get bored and i would say no because the energy i'm using is the energy that comes from the audience and mm -hmm. their energy is fresh every night and another thing was i said if you ever told a joke and got a good laugh you don't mind telling that joke because you know you're going to get a laugh again so if you're yeah. in something that works it's fun to share it but it was i used um i felt like the relationship with the audience was really important to me and I liked long time rehearsal. I liked to feel like I knew what I was doing. But years later, after I had my first child, and I had been a writer then for 13 years, I was a writer for 13 years. And when I went back to acting, I realized that it would be very hard for me to be an actress who was looking for work mm -hmm. and a mother at the same time, because it was I, you know, I just took, put too much focus on myself and I took it too seriously. And at that point, I was lucky enough to begin coaching, becoming an acting coach. And that happened really because a little girl that I knew was in a big movie at the time, John Turtletaub's first movie called Three Ninjas. And I met her mother because my kid was in preschool with her and she said, my daughter, my 10-year-old is an actress. Anyway, she was the lead in this movie. It was called Three Ninjas at the time. And 
the little girl was fired in the second week of production and she called me and said they can't do that she's 10 years old and i said oh yes they can that's how it can go and she said they wouldn't do it to a child i said yes they would and she said will you talk to her and i talked to her and it helped her a lot and they put her back in the movie a week later but her mother said will you help her with her acting and i said sure she said i hire coaches all the time and you're better with her than any of them well truth is i had had great friends who were wonderful movie actors who would call me to the set when they would get stuck before this but just as a friend and i would be sort of a backup and i even you know i got to fly to europe when somebody would call and say jamie i don't know what they want from me i'm having trouble with this director one was a woman who was working with Ken Russell, who really didn't like women, I don't think, very much. And he was being mean. And I just flew right over and helped her. But, so I'd helped friends a lot of times over the years. And I took to being a coach because I knew how to support people and how to bring out the best in them. And the more I did it, the more I was accepted as a coach. And without having trained to do it or really having been to many acting classes, because I'd started so young, I became very much in demand as a coach by the networks in California. And it was at a time when having a career that was solid with my children was an important thing. And so as I became a coach to other people on camera, I learned what worked about it. I learned how to do what I think of as instant acting rather than with a lot of rehearsal, but really being learning how to be spontaneous in the moment, improvisation, all the things that really work on camera. And so I kind of taught myself as I taught other people and supported other people and I became more comfortable on set. I realized everybody else's job and what they were doing. When I was a young actress, it was all about me. It does. It does. And you've also had some success after you kind of took a step back, like in this, before your kids, you were in Greece, uh, which is oh, yeah. an iconic, was... <laughs> iconic movie. Yeah. It's certainly one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. Can you tell us a bit about Thank that experience? You. Oh, sure. I can tell you about that. Greece, I would never have known when I first did Greece that it would be what it has become, of course, you know. And people will ask me that because, you know, there are re-releases that they do with different versions with sing-alongs and anniversary editions, and it never dies. I mean, I'm amazed to see myself. I go to uh, screenings of it and celebrations of it, all, you know, not all the time, but regularly. And it's every generation just loves Greece. And we had no way of knowing. I First of all, may I say that I did the Broadway show seven years before I did the movie. Mm -hmm. And John Travolta and I were very good friends. We had the same manager. And uh, so it wasn't like going into the movie was, it was very familiar for me. I had done the role of Jan eight times a week in front of live audiences. And that's how I knew what was funny about it. And I knew all the songs and dances so well, same choreographer, and I'd worked with her on other things. So that of the girls, I was really the only pink lady who had had that experience. And so I felt very confident in what I was doing by the time I got there. And as I say, John was a good friend. We had gone dancing for years before we ever dan you know, danced together in Greece. Jeff Conaway was a really close friend of mine, the one who plays Kaniki. 
And I really was uh, very at home in that show. So when we did the movie, and it was a magical combination of people. It was beautifully cast. Mm -hmm. And the thing we didn't know was that in those days when we made that movie, if your movie was a huge hit, it might run for two weeks in the movie theater. And then maybe there were only a couple of networks, you know, so that you might see a movie on a channel, you know, once in a while. It wasn't like you could always tune in to any movie you wanted. There wasn't even VHS or DVDs or any of these things. There were just maybe three networks on TV. So that a big hit would have meant that people, a lot of people went to the movie for two weeks. We could not even conceive of mm -hmm. the fact that people would, there are people all over the place who know my part better than I do because they've watched it so many times and dressed up as me and had pajama parties like we did in Greece. And I feel so happy that that part, which was such a lightweight character, really. I mean, I, when I went in to be cast in the movie, I said, can I play a different part this time? Because I'm kind of, over it with Jan, you know, she didn't have a song. I wanted to maybe be Rizzo so that I could have more of an edge in the song. I think I was just meant to be Jan <laughs> and I'm happy that I am, but it's a character that is, just brings such joy of being part of that little girl group. And I think people relate to that. In fact, my character is a favorite of a lot of people who have disabilities and but just kind of look at her and get it. Get what it feels like to just be kind of like happy to be with your friends and silly and, yeah. and enjoying life. And I've had, you know, I did this thing. I'll do it for you now because I know people who know the movie get a kick out of it. The moment I'm remembered for most is at the beginning of the pajama party, I do this thing. Russia, 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 with the new Ipana, with the brand new flavor. And it was an impression of Bucky Beaver. Uh, yeah. which was an Ipana commercial from the 1950s. And the fact is that I had gotten a laugh in the Broadway show at a mention of Bucky Beaver. My boyfriend called me Bucky Beaver. And I, because I have prominent teeth and I was able to get a, you know, do a take on that and get a laugh. And so my line at the beginning of that scene, if you remember it, it was just written as Jan's line opens on Jan watching TV and she says, Look at what Loretta Young is wearing. And I thought that doesn't do anything for me. A lot of people may not remember Loretta Young. It's not funny and it's not musical. What else could I do? And I thought, I talked to the director, Randall Kleiser, who was very open to collaboration, really amazingly so. And because it was Paramount Pictures, I was able to say to the prop department, uh, can you get me a commercial? from the 1950s of Bucky yeah. the Beaver yeah. doing this. And I sat on the soundstage and practiced it and I showed it to the director and he said, well, see if the girls like it. And I did it for the girls and they laughed and liked it. And one of them dined through a pillow at me and it was like, okay, it's in. If everybody likes it, it's in. Yeah. And so it was like that. We were all very playful. We all had fun with each other. It was a great experience. And, um, now, oh, I started to tell you this because people will tell me, they'll say, you know, my daughter, I could never get her to brush her teeth until I got her to do it with Jan and like Jan. And uh, I remember more than one time 
I said, how old is your daughter? And someone has said, she's, we still do this every day. And they say, you know, she's 45 years old. And I realized that it's a person who related to Jan and did this, but really has had an extremely simple life and existence and that I've brought some light and fun into that life. And I remember when 9-11 happened in the New York Times, they said, they asked people what they did because they were in such fear and horror at what they were going through. They said they watched movies and it was one of the three movies that people watched as sort of their comfort food in terrible times. So while I first looked at that as, oh, it's just such a silly part. What is it going to, you know, oh, I don't know. I'd rather, you know, be, I want it to be Judy Garland singing The Man That Got Away or something like that. And like, but what we brought with Greece is something that means a lot to people. And so, yeah, I'm very happy that I got to do that one. Yeah, no, it was a brilliant movie. And so you took a break. You talked about taking a break for your kids and you kind of give the explanation why. And I know you returned in a big way. You had some really high profile TV parts, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when your kids were grown, did you make a conscious effort to? Uh, somewhat, although, you know, now as I am older, I really, you know what I hate is I hate the competition of acting. Mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. that. And so when I was in Hollywood, I did do some good TV stuff, but I've enjoyed more like what I did with you, working with really creative, independent filmmakers. In fact, there are three that I would have done if it wasn't for this COVID epidemic. Not, you know, big blockbuster movies, although who knows what will happen with anything, you know, when things will catch on and people, more and more people can see these things. But I really love working with innovative, creative, respectful people who know what it is that they are trying to do. I mean, I didn't really like, I never really liked working on television as much because ultimately it's almost like a commercial. It's like, who are you trying to please? And whoever you're working with is thinking, is somebody else going to like this? Is somebody else going to like this? And the person behind them is thinking, yeah, but will my boss like this? Will my boss like it? And somewhere in there, the freshness of the experience is lost to me. Mm. But right now, for example, I'm having a great time. There are these two young people, their names are Jess Jacqueline and Charles Beale. I would love you to know them, Corrine. because they started something called Studio Fest. And it's a festival where they choose a director and a writer who work together, and then they produce their movie. Whoever wins it, wins the festival, gets their movie made. Low budget, but gets it made. And I've been a part of that since the inception. And I have a movie, I don't know if you've seen this latest movie that came out that I'm in, which is called Souvenirs. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, no. Oh, you've got to see it. I'm so mean in this one. (laughs) I'm so mean in this. You know what? I did. I think, did you send me something about it or a trailer? I probably sent you a trailer. Yes. You probably saw the trailer. And lately I find I'm in the trailer. You featured me nicely in your trailer. Yeah. You know, another one that was wild was, you know, that movie that I did, the Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Yes. I had a scene with Johnny Depp and they used my scene in the trailer of that. And I think I sent you the trailer of this one where it's a scene where I have a snake in front of me and I'm talking to the snake and really liking the snake. Uh, But I play a very dangerous character in that. But these are people who are 
so creative and so are doing it for the joy of it and the appreciation of it, not because it's a good job. (laughs) We do it for the love of it. We don't do it because we want fame and fortune, really. We do it because it's who we are. And we will do it whether people want us to or not, really. And so that's, you know, that is my joy in later years is really being able to do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jamie, we are a half an hour show. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it went I, so quickly. It went so quickly. I hope I've given you what you wanted to hear on this me, half hour. You've given me a lot and you've given me, um, you know, it's about, you know, people's philosophies in life as opposed to, you know, how you approach your life. And I think we've kind of, we've gotten your unique approach to things and what really drives you and, and that's your artistry. And I think that's really an important thing to hear from someone like you. Thank you. Well, it is true. I'm trying to remember whose quote it is, but that it's when you find where your great passion and the world's great need come together, then you've found what it is that you're meant to do and what you're meant to be. And for me, it's always been in the collaboration and the connection so that I can't be disappointed if I don't have fame and fortune. And if a little fame comes my way and a little fortune comes, it's like, oh, that's right. I have to remember to put that in the bank. (laughs) It's a bonus. (laughs) You know, exactly. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Looking Deep. For more resources, please check out our website for our show notes for this episode. Coming up, our after show Looking Deeper will begin. Hello, everyone. I hope you guys are having a good day. Here's another episode of Looking Deeper with Kareem and Julia Woolley Chatwin. Hey, Julia. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you. So let's just get right into the meat of it. And we just watched or listened to a different podcast for us, really, about the amazing actress that we both know and love, Jamie Donnelly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's pretty iconic, too. She's pretty iconic. And she's such a wise woman and I told her that she only worked maybe about nine days. I had nine days to work with Jamie and she'd made such an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen her. I only met her for a few days on set. Right. And I haven't seen her for five years, but she still has, she has this, like everything she talks about, all the stories she tells, like she's very engaging, but she's also so, she's also so centered, so mm-hmm. grounded. It's like, she's like a calming presence. And she was that way on set, and I felt that way watching her speak about her experiences. Yeah, she's an excellent, excellent, excellent person. And just like, just because she's done so much and, you know, started a career in a huge way, um, decided to raise a family and then come back in a huge way, she's seen it all. And also as an acting coach for, you know, some really good names in the industry. She's done stage, she's done screen, she's done acting. She's done the family thing. She's done it all, man. Yeah, yeah. So what I took from this is really inspiration, you know. I was very pleased that she held me in such high regard. 
<laughs> as one of our favorite directors to work with during a career. That was, <laughs> that was a shock. I did not expect that at all. I did not pay her. <laughs> I couldn't pay her enough <laughs> to do that. Um, you know, well, I remember when they were interviewing her for the behind the scenes bit, mm-hmm. the phrase that I remember her using was Kareem is a dream. Oh, yeah. am I not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Yes, you are. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm just kidding. I, I think my role of a director is just to serve. And even in business, you know, in our company, the thing I ask best to do is how do we serve? How do we serve our audience? How do we serve the people that work with us? Mm-hmm. How do we make, how do we remove the obstacles? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our job and responsibility. And I just think that that's something I just learned from the people that inspired me in this business is, is mm-hmm. that you think about the people that are around you, you take care of them, and you also give respect to your audience and your backers, really. Mm-hmm. And so it was very encouraging to hear that it meant something to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I think what inspired me is her focus on art and doing work that really inspires her and kind of seeing us as people that kind of do things that inspire us. And I know we have a new company and our company is transformed into including more commercial work, you know? And so it's kind of a challenge to, yeah. to sort of think of balancing the art with the commerce and kind of debating what makes the most sense right. as we move ahead and establish you know, careers for ourselves. Yeah, because I feel like finding that balance between, you know, what some people would call selling out, right, and being true to your artistic values, right, is really difficult. And I think that's something that, for example, Jamie, Jamie has done really well. She's kept on with her artistic values very well. And like, it's something that we could learn from her, right? Because as much as some commercial things are necessary, I mean, first of all, even commercial productions need quality and also we need money oh we need revenue one way or another right and with art it is more hit and miss because it is more subjective Uh, something i found interesting was jamie at one point like she took the role of a coach on set because she was trying to help an actress who's having a hard time with a director who is disrespecting her for her gender right like she wasn't very He didn't like working with women very much. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me because I wonder how many times somebody like Jamie would have gone through something like that growing up, being that like her first big screen debut was Grease, as far as I know, right? Like her really big, big one. And that was in the 70s. Now, she didn't say there was anything that happened on set. But I wonder how many times like, you know, women would have gone through that, you know, at that time. And I think that really, like, yeah, it's like, you know, everything is an opportunity to learn. And she took that opportunity to then pay it forward, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. We talked about her career. We talked about her philosophies on life and what she's done. And I was surprised in so many ways. You know, she has a grandchild and she has two children and the husband's a writer. And it just seems like a very creative person, Jamie is. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, really great lessons on the type of career that, you know, that I may want to have. I'm not an actor, but a career that's varied and led by passion. Yeah. That's that yeah. Was a big takeaway from Jamie. Yeah, I agree. Because like she even mentioned a part where she's like, you know, I'm working on some projects, 
you know, like they're not huge blockbusters, albeit she did mention like you never know with these things. Sometimes the smallest things get picked up and put on the main platform for everyone to see, right? But but yeah, it doesn't matter if they're big blockbusters or if they're smaller movies, if they're kind of, you know, movies that'll be very popular in a small region, but maybe not, you know, globally speaking or nationally speaking. But that doesn't matter, you know? It matters that she's doing something that she believes in. I remember watching Sybil Shepherd. Sybil, I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah. But I, I used to watch it. Show. Yeah. My mom used to watch it when I was a kid and I used to watch it with her. And I remember there's one point where she says this, and I don't know if this is her quotation or not, but I just remember from it. <laughs> she was just, she was called to be a background actor somewhere. And she's like, here's the thing. There are no small roles, only small paychecks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think that mainly she spoke for herself, you know, in this interview. Like, there's very little I have to say because I think she covered her own bases very well. Mm -hmm. You know? I agree. And what was inspiring to me is she talked about her role in Greece and how it's still after 40 years, right? It came out in 1978. And to see it has such a ability, such iconic so many years later is a big testament. And, you know, we want to make work that's iconic for years right. later that lasts longer than us. No, that was really, I, yeah. And that was really sweet where she mentioned, you know, there are people out there who know my role better than I do. And I love the part where she mentioned, like, she never even ever thought it would be like this. People would get so enthralled right by the character and wear the halloween costumes and do their own skits and redo the play and whatever and all these things and how now people get to re-watch her people get to be inspired by her over and over and i, th- I mean she wasn't bragging about it but i think she should have because i think it was pretty cool you know how right. like there are people who legit remember every single one of her lines which at this point maybe she doesn't even remember yeah. I don't know if she practices her lines anymore. I mean, I could say a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I could speak forever. But in I, the I interest think, of time. <laughs> think, yeah, interest of time and our respect for the interview. Listen. So yeah. I think it's time to wrap yeah. it up. So thank All you, right. Ju. It's such a, always a great pleasure to talk to you about these things. You just bring such a new light to it. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And thank you well, to our audience you. who are listening. Uh, we really appreciate you too. And I hope you guys stay longer and listen to the other podcasts. We really um, tried to give a varied flavor (laughs) in terms of the people that we interviewed. And I'll see you soon. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.